When anxiety overtakes us, it's because we have absorbed that we have that excessive worry or we are a failure mm -hmm. or um, worry or fear that we are going to not be enough or to disappoint or to disappoint ourselves. You're listening to The Lowdown, a podcast recorded at Sigma Kappa National Headquarters by Alex Green and Sarah Goodwin. We'll focus on topics like health, wellness, fraternity and sorority community, higher education, and life skills that women need in all stages of their lives. We'll also feature stories from inspiring, empowering, and ambitious Sigma Kappas. Tune in every other week for a new episode to help drive your personal growth forward. Welcome back to the Lowdown Podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Sarah. And today we have Dr. Amy Serbus with us, and she is a talk space therapist. And she is actually the manager of clinical quality, and I will allow her to explain what that actually <laughs> means. But welcome, Amy. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. I've actually been listening to your previous podcast, and I'm so excited. Oh, great. I feel like it's a really good company. You guys are awesome, and I love the topics that you're talking about, so it's just really wonderful to, to be here. We have had a couple of episodes or one episode with a talk space therapist previously and are excited to continue um, the partnership and have more talk space therapists on. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and so... This month, we thought it would be good to talk about anxiety because it's something that a lot of people struggle with or are dealing with. Um, and so we're hopeful that Amy can give us some good advice on how to deal with that um, and that it's more common than you might think. Oh my gosh, it's so common. So the statistics out there are, and they range from anywhere between 18 to 21% of our population of people in general suffer from anxiety, but it's probably more than that. So one in four. So chances are, you know, somebody, you know, several people who are mm -hmm. suffering from anxiety or some type of anxiety that feels that's, you know, I think we were talking earlier about maybe framing, especially for mental health awareness month, what is anxiety? Like, how yeah. are we framing it for this conversation? Yeah. And so you know, there's, um, there's several specific anxiety disorders. There's generalized anxiety disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, panic disorder, phobia, and social anxiety disorder. So all of these things. But I think that for the purposes of probably our conversation, we're talking about anxiety as it manifests in this underlying fear of worry and irritability and um, fear that really gets in the way of us being effective and us executing things that um, we would normally or, or feel like we should normally be able to do. And often when I talk to people about this or talk to whether they're collegiates or whether they're young women, it's, it can get really mixed up with stress because we're like, yeah. oh, this is really stressful or oh, I'm really anxious about that. Like, what is the difference? And I feel like that's really important to understand what the difference is between stress and anxiety. And the way that we kind of understand that is stress is coming from situations in our life because a test is stressful, going into a new job, that's really stressful. And it becomes this sort of heightened sense that then gets resolved when that outside situation resolves itself. Anxiety comes from within ourselves. It's the way we react to that situation. Okay. And so it can kind of be out of proportion to whatever the event is where we're really worried or we're really irritable or or restless or 
kind of fill in the blank of all these symptoms that we can kind of go into describe, but it's really coming from within. So those are the two things. Those are the two different ways to understand stress versus anxiety. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that differentiation. I think that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. But one could cause the other. So stress could cause anxiety or anxiety could cause stress, correct? For sure. They're super okay. similar and interchange. That's why I think it's so confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So specifically, I think when you're leaving, uh, you're leaving college and you're going out into the real world and you're going to have to be an adult, hashtag adulting. <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> so similar, Sarah. Uh, what is the shift that takes place during the time for women and how can they feel confident about the abilities, about their abilities? Yeah, it's a, it's a great place to start, I think, because we feel like there's this okay, well now that's it. I'm done. I'm going to go be in the real world. And it's this shift from these known expectations to unknown expectations. Mm -hmm. So even though things are really stressful in school, there's this sort of structure that we've been in since we were four or five of, oh, here's what I do. I got to study really hard. I'm going to, there's these sort of expectations that are well-known, well, we've already kind of been through it to all of a sudden this blueprint of, uh, has been taken away. And so we're just kind of out in the world of, Oh, what, what do we do? And I think that one of the things I tell women and men both, but young women all the time is that it's ongoing. It's not, it's this sort of gradual, you're still taking all these skills that you've learned. You still are who you are. You're just applying them in a different area. And it's not the sort of start, stop, stop and start again, rather. Um, but it's just, um, these skills that you've acquired, you, you kind of, you got it and you're going to apply them in a different way, in a different setting. Obviously we're thinking about how our career is going to look and it might not play out exactly how we're thinking. Like we're not just going to climb to the top all of a sudden. There's this kind of sense around paying your dues. How do you manage the anxiety and timing of speaking up and asking for a raise or promotion in those types of situations, would you say? Yeah, for sure. And I guess really looking at that, that's probably, there's kind of two parts to that. I think this is when anxiety, like debilitating anxiety can start to creep in because we have these expectations of ourselves and we think people are looking at us like, oh, well, you went to school for, um, I don't know, design or accounting. Well, how are you doing? And really it's, it it becomes suffocating and it becomes this sort of um, sense where these questions of, well, maybe I am not worthy. Why is this not happening? And it's so not going to happen. What you think you're not, you're going to, you're going to fail. You're going to have setbacks. It's going to be this sort of weird, um, non-linear journey. And so shifting those expectations about being open, being willing to learn, knowing that it's okay, that your path is kind of all over the map for a little while, giving yourself a big adjustment period is really important. It's funny that you say like, maybe when you were talking about this, I was kind of thinking of like people that aren't using their degree potentially. Um, So I have a journalism degree. I am obviously not a journalist. And so people kind of ask me that. And that's pretty easy for me to answer because it's still, I'm in the communication space, but I also work part-time at Athleta and was talking to one of the other girls that works there that I just met recently. I just started there. And she also has a degree in the communications field. And like, I didn't even ask anything. I was just like, where'd you go to school? And she like told me or whatever. And then she goes, I'm not using my degree currently, though, obviously, because <laughs> she's working at Athleta and that's her only job, I guess. Um, but 
I am wondering if she might have had like these similar thoughts and kind of had to rationalize it and as used to getting yeah. those questions and was causing some sort of stress or anxiety for her as well. And so it's just right away. She just kind of gets that off of her chest. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh you have to explain. Mm-hmm. Right. You're like, oh, well, I'm not using my degree or this is what happened yeah. or there's some sort yes. of backstory there when, of you know, it's I'd say I think the stats are. I'm not going to pretend to know the stats. I'll use my, just in case I'm wrong, anecdotally from especially the women that I talk to, you're making a decision about what you want to do in college when you're still like forced to go to cafeteria during lunchtime, you have no idea. So then Mm -hmm. you follow a track, you're still figuring it out. And then you get out and you're like, oh, well, this job I really love, or so-and-so was talking to me about this and I'm starting here, I'm growing in this direction. And then we sort of take this label with us of, but I was supposed to be a journalist. So now I kind of have to sort of explain myself when of course we're just still growing and still evolving and you're going to have lots of different labels or roles that you play. Yeah. Yeah. My husband and I graduated with the same degree from the same school pretty much around the same time. And we just obviously have had very different jobs and now we both have completely different experiences and, what he enjoys now, I really hate. You know, it's like, so our jobs are so different, but we have the exact same degree. And it's so interesting. It's, we've just, our jobs have needed different things. So we've learned different things. You know, I do a podcast, but then he's really gotten into like the data or the coding side of it. You know, so it's it's very interesting where we've gone just very opposite, but we have the same degree. Another thought I had when you were saying that there's an expectation with degrees and you're asking, oh, what are you doing with your degree? I feel like a question that women always get asked is, oh, when are you getting married? Or, or when are you having kids? And I feel like that causes so much stress in women. And I think people need to stop asking. And that comes from someone that got married at a young age and had kids at a young age. So I never got that question. But I hear it a lot from others. And it's just stop asking. <laughs> You know, and in small groups, I think we acknowledge that, but there's these larger social, when, especially if we don't really know somebody, you know, with our friends, we're not saying necessarily, I guess, or what I'm hearing. I got married at a really, like an absurdly young age too. So I never got asked that question. People were like, you're getting married already? Why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Opposite <Why? question. laughs> Yeah. What are you doing? Um, I, I think it harkens back, harkens back to just this sort of, oh, but this is the next step. So mm-hmm. there's this, this sort of mythical yes. expectation. So I'm going to ask that because that surely is next, but mm-hmm. of course it's not. And those are really personal questions. And then we kind of absorb that. Those expectations we internalize and absorb and think, oh, am I doing something wrong? Should I be thinking about this? I wasn't thinking about this. And this sort of what do I want to be when I grow up becomes a heavy burden as opposed to an exciting adventure and getting to discover and being curious and going on that next job and figuring it out because that degree, like you were saying, is just this sort of uh, almost like a, a, a pass to move on to something else. And then yeah. you specialize and specialize further or get to change your mind mm-hmm. and giving ourselves permission. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, people, I, I love when people are, um, you know, I've already had a career and then they're like, though, this is what I want to do when I get older. And I'm like, good for you. You are not old. You still have time. Like I hate when people do or like, Oh, well, you know, I'm already old. I've already done what I can do. And I think you can change it at any time. Honestly, if you're unhappy and you haven't, you're not passionate about what you're doing. There's always time to change. 
Yeah, I, I use myself as an example all the time because I was in graduate school to be a therapist in the 90s. I am now working online as, as a therapist and doing all of these things. Like there was no way I could have even dreamed right. that I would be working at a tech company as a therapist, <laughs> you know, 20 years ago, who would have thought? And so there's, the, it's, it's about really this over, overarching idea about our well being is about understanding and giving ourselves permission to just take that next right step and that next right step and, and coming from an internal check-in mm-hmm as opposed to meeting some sort of external need, because the bigger that gap, the worse we feel. Yeah. So sticking with kind of the workplace and all of that, there's obviously an equality gap between men and women when it comes to wages and things. And so, um, and other, not just wages, but a lot of times women feel like they need to assert themselves to ensure that equality, but that's not always the easiest thing for women to do. I'm, that would be hard for me. Yeah. Um, oh, given yeah. the person that I am, but obviously for other women, it might be easier. So what happens when women aren't quite sure how to do this or don't believe they have the ability to do it? And what sort of advice do you have? Yeah. And even just you saying that it strikes me too, that because what that question of kind of because of the conversation that's going on now that we feel like, oh, well, of course I am equal and I need to do A, B, or C and yeah. I need to assert myself. And I think there's this pressure uh, to do that and to be uh, uh, to do that right thing or to be representative in some way, as opposed to that conversation that our cultural conversation now just simply being about, again, giving yourself mm-hmm. permission and allowing that to be. I'm not necessarily the most assertive person, as a definition. So if I'm, I'm telling a woman all the time, they're, they're always thinking in terms of, or often they're thinking in terms of, well, I should speak up and I should do this and I should do that because of this outside construct, as opposed mm-hmm. to me asking them, well, what does it feel like to you? Is this a situation that feels uncomfortable? How can you handle it? Because there's not some sort of idea of what assertiveness looks like. It can yeah. just be speaking your truth. And having the courage to do that and practicing that in small little conversations over and over and over again. Yeah. You don't need to take on the, you're going to change the workplace for all women <laughs> because you probably are. How cute it, is that? Yeah, exactly. So don't think that, oh gosh, I'm not asserting myself. So I am not showing that women can go further in the workplace or women can do this or that. And that is very undue stress on yourself to think that you're going to change the course of women because of your actions. I mean, yes, you can make a difference, but don't put that stress on your life in that way. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. Allowing yourself to be able to speak up versus I have to take on this task and mm-hmm. sort of be something, um, again, that just does it, it, it will lead you astray and it will lead to a lot of stress and anxiety because all of a sudden you're, there's this litmus test of what, what does this say about what I just did? Well, how does this yeah. look to in a larger scale? And really it's just about letting go of that and trying to meet your own potential in your own path. Yeah. One of the biggest stressors I would say in my life, when I compared myself to others, which I know that is something most women do is but it's because of social media. So social media obviously wasn't around when my mom was raising me. So she didn't get to see the, the cute things other moms were doing, or I'm just going to go on the mom thing because that's where I'm at right now, but, or like how their house looked, how clean their house was, how, you know, what they did as a job, what vacations are they going on? 
And so I, I mean, I know women that do just get off social media altogether because of that, because they can't stop comparing themselves to other, comparing their lives to the, to someone else's best filter, pretty much like they're showing the best on their social media. So should people, so should women just get off social media or is there a best practice that you have when they start that comparing game? Yeah. And that's it. That comparing game, you know, is about, it's about how you're using it, how you're engaging with it, asking yourself that question. I think I used to think that was my sort of um, working with women all the time. That was my go-to of just, you know, take a break for a minute, see what it does for you and to you. And let's talk about that and taking a break versus to kind of gather your thoughts about understanding how you are engaging and what the effect it had and what effect it doesn't have now. So that's a, but I think it's impossible these days, obviously to completely stay off just because we use LinkedIn or we use other means of con- connecting with people. And it can be a great way to connect with people and to share our lives, our genuine self and to share mm-hmm. and connect. But when you find yourself comparing yourself to other people, or often I run into the, to a conversation with young women about, um, well, I accomplished this. So I'm going to put it on social media because then it's legit. It's validating. Yeah. Here's what I did. Yeah. And, and using it as that in that way, as that sort of tool, as well as comparing of, um, wow, she just got a promotion. Should I be getting a promotion? Am I supposed to be on this track? Mm-hmm. She didn't graduate until after I did. What am I doing? And all of these questions. And mm-hmm. so just taking a pause and having a conversation, even if it's just with yourself about, wow, either I'm, I'm much happier and why, and, and it allows you, if you're going to slowly integrate yourself back in again, to understand and have a little bit more awareness about what's going on when you're using it. Another thing sometimes I can find myself doing, which I quickly try to stop, is checking back for likes on an image that you have post. And I'm like, why am I, why does it matter? Like, I'm sharing this photo mostly usually for like family. Why do I care? And I get frustrated with myself when I compare myself to other, which I don't like, I have a private account, so I'm not going to have as many followers as like an influencer because I ha- I only post pictures of my kids, so I'm not going to put my profile out there. So I have to like almost remind myself of that. Like, stop going in just to check your likes. That's so stupid. Stop it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think that you made a good, really good point. Like, you know, your account is private, right? So if your account is private and there's not a million people looking at it for women out there who are always doing that too, like, or, or thinking something is wrong or did what happened that I didn't get that as opposed to, yes. um, it's a Thursday. People are working. They're hopefully not checking their social media at two o'clock. Yes. You know, this sort of how you're going back and, and receiving that, you know? Yeah. yeah. While women are trying to kind of figure themselves out as individuals, a lot of us are also dating. Um, Cause like Alex said, we're always getting that question of when we're going to get married and things, but Half joking. Um, What would you say to women who are struggling with the pressure of figuring themselves out while also trying to figure out what makes a good partner? Yeah, I see that often when, I think consciously we don't think we kind of have to do it all, but then when a partner comes into play, there's this sort of feeling of really feeling stressed out because there's only so much time and I'm trying to do, get this with my career. Should I be staying with them? Should I be, what kind of a partner does that look like? Is it going to be good long-term? And really what the conversation is and could and should be about is just about pacing. And again, coming from a place of 
establishing a relationship, which is really, this probably is another um, podcast episode. Part to that question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, we're covering a lot of ground. Today. Yeah. <laughs> but um, of, uh, establishing, you know, how we get to know each other is just very, very fast. And so these expectations get really, really quick. And so, um, you know, there's this idea of just literally enjoying time and the way that we understand ourselves often is through our relationships because it's also about how we make who we are what kind of a partner we make what do we want our likes and dislikes take we we're learning that about ourselves as much as we're learning about the, the other person and so really taking your time and and pacing it and not trying to again come from the outside in and worry about anybody else's expectations if you want to date him for 12 years and that's okay with you and no one wants to get married great who cares yes exactly I was at a marriage conference with obviously my husband uh recently and they you know they did like oh hand hold your hand up if you're this hold your hand up if you're that but one of the questions was hold your hand up if you have matured together or you like you've like pretty much like grown up together and Ben and I were very much on that page because we had met in college there was no dating apps no anything and so we like came into that without that thank goodness thank goodness so appreciative oh my gosh dating apps sarah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i know yeah. but i think there's and so obviously Ben and I we were we dated in college and so we kind of like found ourselves while we were married, which is, I mean, great for us. But I also think there's a lot to say about knowing yourself before you do get into those relationships, before you do go out and seek those, because then you know what you want and you know who you are and that person isn't going to change who you are. So I just think people put a lot of stress of like, I have to get married by this point. I have to do this. But it's like, also, do you like, I like what you said, like, do you even know what you want? Do you even know, you know, who you are? Yeah. I think there's a lot to say about knowing that. I mean, the difference between 22 and 32 is huge about understanding who you are. And so, you know, again, there's this pressure of also of, well, I have to have kids or what about Mm -hmm. this? And so the idea being, you know, it's, it's a lot of undue pressure because you're right. You do hopefully continue have to have to grow together, but hopefully you're also knowing more about yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not about necessarily finding a good partner, but what makes a good partner for you because you're coming in authentically and authentically knowing. Yourself. Yes. Yes. Hashtag truth. We'll just use hashtags <laughs> throughout the entire podcast. Going on to a different type of anxiety here. I actually heard recently that if you're going through life without bumps and bruises and you're not doing it right, which is so, so true. So we're almost telling women that negative experiences are a really great way to, to learn or, you know, failing is a really great way to learn as well. What are the best ways that women can take on challenges, survive defeats, get through failure, and also be on the best side of it. Cause you can learn a lot, but you want to make sure you have the tools to get through it and learn from it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's really anxiety provoking for a lot of women because they are feeling like, Oh, they should embrace failure. Like it's kind of confusing and it makes them feel stressed going into things. And I, I think that the challenge is really to go in with this 
when women are really suffering from anxiety and it's all really, it is really important to be able to um, learn and know that those bumps and bruises are because you took a risk and because you're, those are growing pains. But in order to get there, you have to get through that anticipation and the fear of, of the risk that you're taking. And the best way, one of the best ways to describe it is really separating yourself and your own worth and, and who you are f- mm-hmm. from the experience and that those two things are different and that failure isn't necessarily something because you are a failure. It's because you failed or it didn't go the way you wanted and you remain steady through it while you're learning and acquiring those things. And I think that is a, a way that we can walk into something understanding with an intention and with the frame of mind that helps you get through whatever it is that you're doing or the challenge that you're about to embark on. Yeah. We're actually going to have a podcast in the future about role versus identity. And so it is, you're like, you might've failed in something. That's not your identity. Like you, that's just something you've done. And that's not necessarily a role either, but don't take, don't put that on your, yeah, that's very true don't put that on yourself as this is who I am, but you can learn from it. Do you have any tools though, that someone can take to get through that? That is hard. It hurts. It hurts to fail. And and it could just put undue stress on you. Yeah, for sure. And that what you had just said, that sort of not taking it on because when anxiety overtakes us, it's because we have absorbed that we have that excessive worry or we are a failure Mm -hmm. or, um, worry or fear that we are going to not be enough or to disappoint or to disappoint ourselves. And so there there's getting through that after you're already done, but going in there with a frame of mind of understanding the difference between what the situation calls for and what could be, what's the worst case scenario and, and being able to think through that process of what the worst case scenario is, what's the best case scenario, what to do if you don't get through it and to go in with a certain um, openness and an ability to identify that anything could happen, but that you will be okay at the end. Mm -hmm. And that can just through thoughtful planning, um, some management of anxiety itself, which is meditation and sleep and good self-care, good exercise, um, taking, going into our, with our best selves kind of intact and knowing that we're set up, we're doing the best that we possibly can, but that of course, um, the situation may not work out the way. Mm-hmm. That we yeah. So I think, a good way to kind of conclude this episode is how do you know when you need to seek professional help for your anxiety as opposed to just relying on your support team, your friends, your family, all of that? How do you know when you've reached a level that you probably should seek out a counselor or a therapist? The short answer to that is when you can sense that it's no matter what's happening, it is really chronic. It's not going away. Your friends have heard it before. Nothing is working. All of these things that you've put into place, just you, you, you're just not feeling well, you're feeling miserable. And it, you, the best treatment is understanding and identifying your thoughts with a therapist and changing, understanding yourself and changing the way you think about that. 
the longer version, although maybe that wasn't, (laughs) (laughs) but the longer version too, is that I think that people are really, um, might have gotten through being a little bit anxious in high school or being a little bit anxious in, in college and it kind of peaking and then slowing down again, and then peaking and then, and then coming back down again. And so it becomes really tough to think, well, yeah, but I felt good two weeks ago or um, I don't, I know I, I don't really, I can't quite tell. And often the coping skills that we have learned throughout our life at some point no longer work and they become maladaptive and like all of a sudden those things aren't working anymore. And so obviously being a therapist, I'm a huge advocate for it. It's never a bad idea to go talk to somebody. You should totally go talk to somebody. Um, and I think that the, but the, the, the line really is, is that you've been dealing with it for a long time, a long time, meaning many months, situations come and go and you don't feel any better. And so stopping, taking inventory of what your thoughts are, what's going on, how long have you been feeling like this? And knowing that it's, um, you can feel differently. You don't have to feel like this all the time. And going to talk to somebody can be really benign and really easy and um, just help you understand how to react differently to things and to feel better. And on like the opposite end of that, if you are one of those people that is the support person for someone that you think might be struggling with anxiety and you have been their support person, you've heard the conversations over and over again, is there a way for you to approach that with them that maybe they do want to seek out more professional help without kind of offending them also? Oh my gosh. Right. Um, I think that that is, it's, well, obviously it depends on who the person is, but uh, it's they're, they're close to you, right? So mm-hmm. you, they know you and trust you and having a conversation with them to say, man, you know, this, I hear you. We talk about this all the time. I feel like there's nothing left that I can give you. I'm totally happy to hear it, but what I'm doing isn't necessarily helping. I feel like it would be worthwhile to go see a counselor. I'll go with you. Um, can mm-hmm. I help you? Mm-hmm. Sharing with them in the journey, because it's not about, um, it can feel really hard when you're not being helpful and yeah. you're just listening. It can be frustrating and really exhausting <laughs> too because you're like, okay, we're on year two. It's the same. I'm, we're having the same conversation. So it can be really frustrating and emotionally draining, but it, so it's worth it to preserve your own friendship and your relationship to just have a, a frank and honest conversation about, well, what I'm saying and doing isn't really worth it, but I, you deserve to feel better. Mm-hmm. You should make an appointment with somebody, go talk to somebody and I'm I'm here to help you through that. Yeah. I like that answer a lot. I can Mm -hmm. think of situations in my past where I probably didn't know what to say. And that would have been like, I am listening to you, but we have, you know, we've had the same conversation several times. I I really like that, the way of going about that, because I don't think it's abrasive. I think it is a caring way, even if you're maybe annoyed that you've had the same conversation. But it definitely is a a personal decision to go see a counselor. So it does have to be a, can't force someone to go. You really, like, it does have to be on them. And I feel like there's a stigma around that. Still. Still. Yeah. It's getting better, but it's still Yeah. Yeah. It is getting better. Here's a fun, which is very interesting. It's always fascinating to me. It's a fun top space fact is that over 70% of our clients have never been to therapy. 
So it, wow. and it really speaks to stigma. Yeah. It speaks to convenience for sure mm-hmm. um, and affordability, but it also speaks to it, people aren't, don't, can't get themselves to drive to the counselor's office where it says yeah. Dr. So-and-so or <laughs> yeah. Yeah. therapist in big flashing letters they, sitting in the waiting room. Like that just feels really overwhelming to a lot of people, especially if they're already anxious. And so we're coming up with different ways and, you know, online being a huge major factor, but of ways to reach people. And so that hopefully that stigma is going to continue to be reduced as people, it becomes normalized and people are like, oh, I'm going to, you know, talk to somebody for a few months and and feel better. And that's it. Just like you would go for your annual checkup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we know how popular Talkspace has uh, gotten. So Sigma Kappa had kind of a bank of money that we were going to use um, to pay for the service for collegians, and it ran out. We actually put more in, and it ran out again. And so we there was a talk like, are we going to have to just cut off this service for the rest of the year? And thankfully, our National Housing Corporation stepped up and funded the rest of the year, which is so, so amazing. But it just shows you, like, even our expectations of how many people were going to want to use the service was blown away. And we are so grateful to help those women. We just needed the funds. Like, we wanted to. We just didn't know that it would take that much. We just, you know... Isn't that so wonderful great. that you mm-hmm. ran out of money? Yeah. And also so amazing. Like, what is that? I, again, I think it speaks to the stigma, too, of it's all, it's so handy. Yeah. And you wouldn't have gone. And so what is that about? But I'm mm-hmm. so glad. Yeah, obviously, so glad people are using it. Women are using it. They're, yeah. um, they're going in droves, for goodness yes. sake. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we're so, so happy to offer that service. I think that we made the point that, I think is important, which is just that it is, it is really common. Or maybe mm-hmm. we didn't say it enough, but that it is just really common and people feel like, oh, I'm just stressed out when really it's anxiety and you can manage stress better. You can learn to manage stress better and feel less anxious. And it is prob- one of, if not the most, one of the most treatable mental illnesses or mental um, health challenges of just going in and it's like a tune up. And if yeah. it's, it's just really helpful to go get treatment. Yeah. It's common. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, like we said, we'll have talk space and other resources available on our show notes page at sigmakappaorg slash podcast, but thanks again. Thank you ladies so much. I really appreciate it.